If you don't have an email list, then you don't have a direct line to your customers. Reaching your clients, audience, supporters, and fans with the right message at the right time in the right place becomes easy when you've got a strategic email list in place. My email list is the number one way I drive profits in my business. And major bonus here, it's a lot easier and way more fun than you might think. That's why I'm teaching a free live workshop all about growing your email list called From Zero Subscribers or Zero Strategy to an Engaged Email List That Lasts. I'll show you how to kick off your email list building strategy with no fear because I know it can be scary to start something new in your business. Save your virtual seat at growanemaillist.com. Inside of my free live workshop, you'll learn why email marketing is 10 times more effective than posting on social media, my secret to sending out weekly emails without adding a ton of work to my plate, my best tips for getting people to hit subscribe, and what to actually say to them to convert them from subscribers to paying clients and customers. Save your seat now at growanemaillist.com. That's growanemaillist.com to get started with an email list strategy that drives real results. I'll see you at the masterclass. You're listening to the Gold Digger podcast episode number 178. You guys, this guest and her mission are going to leave you just feeling floored and inspired. Today's guest is Britt Barron, and she is the co-founder of Other Dreamers Culture Consultants, and she's a speaker a writer, and a diversity and inclusion trainer. Now, Britt spends a lot of time thinking about and talking about how race and gender and sexuality and spirituality all interact with our everyday lives and with our work. Britt is obsessed with finding new ways to connect people and things that have been told that they should not go together. She has a bachelor's and a master's degree in psychology and is probably already analyzing me as I read this script. Britt has spoken all over the country. She has a TED Talk about Beyonce and race in America, and she is ready to share her expertise with you. She is a true expert. Now, in this episode, you're going to learn how to easily cultivate a network of connection and support, how to pioneer change and inclusion in your workplace and in your life, and how to find genuine community. She talks a lot about pulling up chairs, bringing them to the table, and what that can really look like for us. And One of the things that I just love about this conversation that we're about to have is that Britt does not shy away. There have been so many times in her life where she has felt like she doesn't fit into a box, doesn't fit into a category. And she is an expert at this stuff that I want to help share with the world. And so I'm just so honored that she is on the show and just opening up and we talk about a lot of interesting things. Uh, Before we dive on in, because I know you're excited, I want to read to you the review of the week. And this is from Halo Fair. And it says, right place, right time. I am so happy I found the Gold Digger podcast. Branching out in a new side hustle, I felt very alone without a support system. Your podcast came to me at the perfect time and I've been binge listening ever since. I've been feverishly taking notes on your amazing, usable content. You go way beyond motivation and give actual advice and methods for making your business thrive. I'm so grateful to have this podcast as I embark on my own entrepreneurial journey. This message could not be more fitting for today's show. I'm so excited to give you usable content and ways that you can truly grow as a human being. And let's start off. I mean, if you are sitting in your car, I don't even want to slow clap. I want a round of applause for Britt Barron because this show is about to stop you in your tracks. 
You're listening to the Gold Digger Podcast, where we firmly believe that work doesn't have to feel like work. Self-made millionaire and marketing guru, Jenna Kutcher, will help you redefine what success looks like. It's time to hear from the experts, listen in on honest conversations, and learn the best tips and tricks that helped others pave their own way and craft their dream career. If you're ready to dig in, do the work, and tackle your biggest goals, you're in the right place. Here's your host, educator, photographer, and mac and cheese lover, Jenna Kutcher. You guys, I am so, so honored to hang out with Britt. Britt, I can honestly say watching your video, which we're going to take in the show notes, changed my life and just really seeing your heart. I knew that like you had to come on the show. So first things first, just thank you for showing up today and for being here with me. Oh my gosh. Thank you. I'm so excited to chat and have this conversation and so pumped, so grateful for your kind words and, and I can't wait. Let's do this. Are you ready? (laughs) Yes. Yes. So ready. So First things first, for those who don't know you, what is the life of Brit? Like, who are you? How has your path unfolded? What has this journey looked like? Because I know that it's held a lot of twists and turns. Yeah, it certainly has. Yeah, so I am a speaker, a writer. I do diversity and inclusion work. I'm married to my wonderful wife, Sammy, who does all things creative. And so we are at such a fun place in life right now, and it is it has been quite a journey to get here. Rewinding a little bit back, I grew up in Colorado, which is a place not known for its diversity. And my, my mom's Mexican, my dad's African-American, and that's always been very important to me. It's always been very important to know who I am, where I came from, and my race has shaped a lot of my experiences in life. And I knew that from a young age because I grew up in predominantly white neighborhoods and I knew that there was something different and there was a gap between me and some of my other friends. And I spent a lot of time trying to figure out why that gap was there and how to bridge it. And uh, along with those contexts, we grew up very Christian in the evangelical church. And so as I got older, it made sense to combine those and take my love for inclusion and kind of building bridges and do that within of the church. And so before long through life's weird twists and turns, I always said the one thing I would never do in life is be a pastor because my dad (laughs) was a pastor. And then of course, here I am at like 26 or 27. And I'm a pastor at this like evangelical mega church who was very devoted to sort of this multicultural idea. You know, churches are still some of the places where we see the biggest separation between race and ethnicity and gender, quite honestly. And so it was great. And then I met this girl and I sort of realized another layer of my identity that I hadn't previously been in touch with and we fell in love. And that was a time where I was really confronted with fear in a way I hadn't ever been before. And in a way, it taught me so much about kind of what a lot of the people in the conversations that I've had about race and inclusion. And, and sometimes there's this this hesitation, right? This this fear. And, and I realized, oh, it's really scary to think that life was one way and to maybe realize that it might be another way. 
and that fear kept me, you know, quiet for a while. And, and there's this, there's this idea that I always like talk about. There's, there's this idea that like fear is a, like a liar, you know, like a lot of people say that. And that's true. Like some fears are just trash that we make up in our minds. And some fears are things that are like, might actually happen. Like my biggest fear for coming out was that people were going to see me differently, treat me differently, that I would have to leave my church, that people would look at my family differently, that, you know, my life might be just a little more difficult in some ways. And all of those things are honestly true. And so there's a moment where you have to decide, it's it's not necessarily like those things won't happen, but am I going to let that stop me from living in my freedom, in my truth, in love? And over the course of my life, uh, one of the best things I think I've gotten to to create and to do is this thing called the Civil Rights Tour, where I put people in a van and we go to the South and we spend a week visiting sites from the Civil Rights Movement interviewing civil rights leaders, debriefing at night, talking about what this means for us, and truly like living in that experience. And so John Lewis, who's one of my favorite civil rights leaders ever, he is a congressman now. He's actually the the last living speaker from the March on Washington. Um, And he led the, the march from Selma to Montgomery. And that march took three times to complete. The first time it ended up in this uh, really awful battle between him and the police uh, that day is known as like Bloody Sunday. And then the second time they brought in Martin Luther King Jr. And they started marching and then MLK said, it just doesn't feel right. I think this is a trap. And it was. And they turned around. And then the third time they were able to complete the march. And so I have a poster of the third time when they completed the march from Selma Montgomery with him and MLK. And I got to meet him. We interviewed him on, on one of the tours and he signed that poster for me. So it's obviously like my most cherished possession. And I remember one day sitting in my apartment and I'm staring at it and I'm like in the closet, like <laughs> so afraid to like <laughs> you to come out. Like, and I'm just staring. And I, I stared at it for hours and I was like, what? what did he have that allowed him to say like, I'm sure his fears were valid. He was afraid that if he went out and marched for these voter rights and like believed in the fact that black people were created equal, that he might get hurt, right? That it might go wrong. And it did. And he kept doing it. And so I just, you know, there was a moment where it's like, do you want to choose freedom or do you want to choose fear? You know, this is your choice. Uh, both ways are going to be hard. So which kind of hard do you want, right? It's not like living a life in the closet was super chill, you know? So yeah, that was the moment where a lot of things just clicked for me. And I decided whenever I am given the choice between freedom and love or fear, I think I'm going to choose freedom. And it doesn't matter how hard it gets. That's just something I have to do. And so I did. And so many things have unfolded and transpired since then. And my work in inclusion means so much more. It's so layered. It's so nuanced. And I always say that, like, my why, the reason I do this and love this is because people matter. And we live in a world and a society and a culture where some people feel like they matter less. And I want to change that. And I think that 
yes, there are nuances with race and gender and sexuality and faith and ability and all these things. And we should educate ourselves on those. But at the end of the day, I think most human beings can relate to the idea that at some point they felt like there's something about them that discounts them. And if we can understand that about ourselves, then we can start to understand that about someone else. And that's the work that that I'm interested in doing. Oh, that is amazing. So, Britt, you came to me through the amazing Emily Sexton, who is in episode 168. And oh, my gosh, is she not just a total game changer? She is unreal. Unreal. So how did you guys get connected and what does your work look like when you guys work together? Yeah. So, okay. So actually funny story about our connection. So she wanted some like creative direction help, which is what Sammy does. And then she also wanted some like diversity and inclusion help, which is what I do. And so she had reached out to her networks and got connected to us separately and had no idea that we were married. So then she sends us this email one night and she like laughs because she's like, I wasn't drunk, I promise. And it was just like (laughs) the longest email of her explaining how she got there, which was so funny. But we know her because of the work that Sammy and I do together. So Sammy is my amazing wife. And Sammy has been, she does all things creative. And she's been a creative director for like all these companies. And I've been doing inclusion work. And kind of one day we were like, well, the two should inform each other right? If we're going to have this more inclusive and this bigger view of the world and ask these questions and, and talk about who's not at the table and create these spaces, that should be reflected in, in marketing, in creative, in, in what you actually put out there. And so we created something called Other Dreamers. And it's, we're basically culture consultants where we come in and we'll talk you through all things inclusion, all things creative, and develop those things together. And it's, Emily is one of the amazing entrepreneurs that we have the privilege of working with and asking some of these questions and developing some of those things for her brand. That's so cool. How is it like working with your spouse? Because I know sometimes it's very (laughs) wonderful, but sometimes it's so hard. So what is that like for you two to work together? It's so funny. It's so, <laughs> yes, exactly. It's so fun. Like, I, I mean, I wouldn't want to do anything else. And then you have these moments where you're like, we're so different that like, you know, like this is a perfect example. She'll be creating something like in real time and she'll just like be in the zone. So just like be creating it. And I'm like, oh, there's a comma there. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> She's like, not the time. I'm like, okay, okay, sorry, sorry. So, but it's just, it's been so fun. And I think we we are learning so much as we go. And I think the the posture you need to have to work with your person is high empathy, high care, high compassion, right? And I think that's very helpful to have that as we work together, because then we're able to sort of already be in that mode when we're when we're talking to our clients right yes. when you're married to someone the question isn't are you right or am I right it's what's the best way to resolve this right and so yeah I think it's it's fun I'm realizing it's priming me in a different way for the work I do because even in creating it my posture needs to be different than like I'm gonna do this awesome thing and I'm awesome it's like am I being a, a good partner <laughs> you know what I mean mm-hmm. um, I love that yeah 
Gold diggers, we all know the B2B landscape can be a bit complex. From lengthy buying cycles to complicated decision-making processes, reaching your target audience can be tough. But I found a solution tailored just for you. LinkedIn ads. A whopping 79% of B2B content marketers say LinkedIn produces the best results for paid media. That's because with LinkedIn ads, you're not just casting a wide net and hoping for the best. You're strategically building relationships and driving real results. We're talking about a platform with over a billion members, including 180 million senior level executives and 10 million C-level executives. You are networking with the actual decision makers. And LinkedIn's targeting and measurement tools are specifically designed for for B2B marketers, meaning you're not wasting time or money on irrelevant leads. In fact, in the tech industry, LinkedIn ads have been shown to generate two to five times higher return on ad spend compared to other social media platforms. Using LinkedIn ads allows you to stay ahead of the curve when it comes to industry trends and developments, whether it's finding the perfect partner for a collaboration or uncovering new opportunities for growth, LinkedIn can be your secret weapon. Make B2B marketing everything it can be and get a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash goal to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash goal. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, gold diggers. Lately, I've been getting excited to finish furnishing our new home, which is why I want to tell you about a brand that we absolutely love, which is Article. I have been a fan and a customer of Article for years. I'm always blown away by the curated assortment of furniture styles they offer. They have mid-century modern, coastal, industrial, Scandinavian, and even boho designs. There is something for everyone, no matter your taste. In our last house, we had their sofa and leather chairs. At our lake house, we have their dining table and chairs. We also just ordered some of their outdoor furniture for our new patio. Like, if you can't tell, we are obsessed with Article. The quality and style are top-notch. Article's online-only model means that they can offer some great prices with fast and hassle-free delivery. Pick the delivery time that works for you, and they keep you updated every step of the way. Article's customer is also amazing. They're knowledgeable, friendly, and always there when you need them. If you're like me and you're itching to give your home a makeover, I highly recommend checking out Article. They believe in delightful design for every home. And thanks to their commitment to style, quality, and affordability, it's never been easier to transform your space. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash gold digger and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash gold digger for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. I have a personal question for you and we can totally skip it if you want, but what was it like when you came out to your parents? Because I feel like especially being raised in the church, And, you know, the prominence that your family had at that stage and, you know, that fear that you had, what was that experience like for you? So I'm very close with my parents. They're two of my best friends. And so I told them, I mean, like legitimately years before I told anyone else, like two years (laughs) before the words came out of my mouth, like, and I was hanging out with Sammy and I was like, I have to tell my parents this weight is too heavy. And so I went over to the house and I was so scared because, yeah, like I said, my parents, I mean, they, they're they deeply rooted in the church. My dad w- was on the board of the church I worked at. My mom, you know, was like one of the mentors and did all the things. I mean, this is their life. And so it was incredibly scary. And uh, 
so many things I think might have gone different for me if this moment hadn't gone this way. But I told them and they just said, we love you. And, you know, we're going to figure this out. I think it was a little shocking because at that point I was 28, you know. So I think there was an idea. It's like, well, if that was going to happen, it was going to happen before that. Right. And I had dated guys and I had. So I think there was a little bit of, of shock and surprise. And they just said, we love you and nothing can change that. We've always told you that, which they have. And it was beautiful. And my mom is, I always like laugh about this moment. My mom is a stereotypical Mexican woman <laughs> because after she said she loved me, the very next words out of her mouth were, just promise me you'll adopt or something. As if like grandkids <laughs> is only the, ever the only thing she's thinking about. <laughs> she was like, okay, love who you love, but how will I get these grandbabies? <laughs> like a true mom. Yeah, right? exactly. I'm like, okay. Yeah, so it was good. And, you know, we had hard conversations after that and we processed together and, and what does this mean? And and it's been really good. I, I mean, my parents, and this is, gosh, this is why I love this kind of work and this kind of stuff because my parents to this day will say, that's one of the best things that ever happened to them because they had just gotten so comfortable in their world and in their faith. And this, you know, definitely shook it up. Their support for me has really has cost them. But just the other day, my mom was like, gosh, I didn't even realize what I was missing because I didn't even know what it was. And so, yeah, it was a journey like everything else. But I think that's if we look back in our life, those difficult conversations and moments are the ones that we cherish, right? Yes, um, absolutely. Not as much in the moment, but for sure, you know, <laughs> after, right? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. speaking of like awkward conversations, I think every person in their life has had them, maybe not to the levels of others, but what do you think it is about awkward conversations that create change? Because truthfully, the conversation that led me to meeting you was an awkward conversation about inclusion. And I think that there's a really great movement happening when it comes to inclusion, but it's mostly just focused on race. And I think that there can be more inclusion in gender, socioeconomic status, faith, religion, love. What do you think it is about awkward conversations that actually produce and yield bigger results? Well, I think no one changes when they're comfortable, right? No one's like, I'm just feeling so good. I'm going to start eating healthy. You know what I mean? It's like, oh gosh, I feel like crap. I need a salad, right? Like there's just there, you know, if we're, if we know everything, if we feel comfortable, we're not, there's, there's no change, right? Nothing's going to change. And that's the bummer and the exciting thing about life. And so I think the conversations get awkward because it challenges our ideas, right? It challenges our whole ideas about life. And that is very uncomfortable. So for someone to say, like, I see the world this way, it is different than the way you see the world. Well, now what does that mean about your life up until that point, right? Yep. It's very disorienting. And I think, particularly with conversations about inclusion, it can get more disorienting because what does that mean? Like, to make it so real, I think when it comes to inclusion in terms of sexuality and I've had this conversation with people. I think that if you ascribe or have ascribed to a theology or an idea that gay people should not be included, and then you encounter something and feel like they should, 
well, what does that mean for the way in which you treated people before that point? And I think sometimes that is so hard to reconcile that it keeps people from even engaging that there might be a different way. And so the conversations get awkward because I think, you know, we naturally get defensive, especially the the longer we live and the more comfortable we get with our ideas of, hey, this is how things go. Someone challenges that and it's like, well, this would change everything for me. So I'm going to I'm going to push back. Right. I'm going to resist because, yes, if you let go and you have these hard conversations and and you're willing to accept this, everyone gets better. Everything gets better. The world moves forward. But that's incredibly difficult. And I think that change, that fear, is hard. And James Baldwin has this incredible quote. And he says, I imagine the reason people cling so tightly to hate is because they fear once the hate is gone, they'll be forced to deal with pain. And those are strong words, and and I think there's not as much hate, but there's certainly, I think, a resistance to even get into a conversation because it might force you to, to deal with some hard realities of the world. Like, I love inclusion, and I love people having being at the table because at the end of the day, we are better together than we are separate. Governments that have more women represented in them have higher rates of peace long term. Companies that have more people of color, uh, leadership levels do better because they reach more markets. Like, yes, we are better together. But first we have to deal with the reality of why those people weren't at the table to begin with. And that's kind of hard. That is probably one of the most powerful statements you've ever said. What, when you, I love the analogy of like just having these people at the table for people that maybe haven't in the past or are kind of like, well, how do I even open this up? Do you have any tips or advice on just making people feel welcome, making people feel seen and heard and letting them know that it's safe for them to show up as well? Yeah, I think one of the first things I always say is like, come into a conversation and be proud of who you are. Have that sense of like, okay, this is who I am. And and I'm proud of that. I think the the second thing on a practical level is three words that I always think change the game in a conversation are help me understand. Seek to understand before you seek to be understood and and a lot of things will be different. So in a conversation with people who disagree with me, think something very antithetical to what I think, if I say like, well, how, how could you even, you know what I mean, like... And help me understand, but like, you know, not with the tone of like, well, help me understand. But a true help me understand how you arrived there or help me understand what it's like to be you or help me understand how, why you feel like the words I'm saying are hurtful. Help me understand because I think the, and I, and I laugh even early on, right, in this work for me, I was seeking to be understood. I wanted people to understand the way I saw the world, the way I experienced it. And I just wanted them to know that. And that came from a a place of feeling like an other. But growing and changing, I realized, well, if we seek to understand, we will be understood, right? And so those three words help me understand. They're disarming, right? We have, there's a lot of, of ways. And, you know, I have some friends who have children with special needs and I have learned so much. And I have asked a thousand help me understand questions because I, I, you don't know what you don't know. And there is literally no way around that. 
And no one is born woke. And anyone who pretends like they were is lying. At some point, someone told us, hey, that's not cool. And I was like, oh, okay. And you evolve. And so I think there's so much compassion and so much understanding needed. And that question, for me, really changes the game. I think that's incredible. One thing that you said at the beginning that it just, I think so many of us can relate to is that you've always felt like unqualified or other or, or that something about you has made you not fit the mold that you're supposed to be in. And when I watched your video, and I like bawled my eyes out and said, if I ever have a daughter, I want her to be like Brit. Um, so kind. Like, how have you stepped into these roles that for one, you said you would never step into, but two, you likely did not feel like you were the one to do that work. How have you kind of done that? Because I feel like you've done that over and over and over again in your life. Yeah, I think twofold, right? I did it for me and I did it for someone like me who's not here yet. You know, I was just, we were at Target the other day, uh, me and Sammy, and it's it's little things like this, right? Being a woman of color that, that stand out to you. So we're in Target and Target has a section, you know, where they shampoo and conditioner and it just says hair care, hair care, hair care, hair care. Like all the, you know, it just says that. And then there's like a little section that says like multicultural hair. And I was like, gosh, if like I want the next like little like, half Mexican, half black, strong little girl to be in Target. And just, it's all hair care because it's all hair, right? But these are like the little things that say like, hey, by the way, like, you're different. And so I think there's a certain fire in me that's, that burns for the next me because I'm very aware of how many people before me fought for me. How many women, how many people of color, how many people in the LGBTQ community, how many, I mean, the list goes on and I won't know their names. And I don't know what they did. And I want to, I want to be that for someone. I think the second reason is so for uh, future generations. And then for me now, I think there are times when it like is uncomfortable to like advocate for yourself. And there are times when it gets tiring to like constantly like push against the narrative that you don't belong somewhere or in a space or that you have value, but it's so worth it for the person that it creates in you. And I had this moment, right? We were on a a different civil rights tour and a moment that really shaped, honestly, the trajectory of, of, of my life. And we're in this museum and this woman is giving us a tour of this museum. And there's a section, it was brand new. We're in Mississippi. And it was a mock-up of a slave ship. And this part of the museum was like, it it's, was meant to take you on the journey of like from Africa to like the auction block on in the South. Like, so what was someone's journey in getting there? And so you walk through this giant, like dark, like muggy thing. And I couldn't, I actually couldn't even walk through it. So like I left and met everyone like around that was like the ship. And then she gets to the end and she's explaining what would be happening now. And she's like standing on this mock-up of this sort of slave auction. And she's talking about how many people would have died until this point just from disease, how many people would have like just, I mean, jumped off, how many people would have not made it, how many people would have, and then what happens and how humiliating and how now you're standing here and you're naked and you're being appraised and these people are, 
are bidding for you. And she said, can you imagine? And then I was already certain that the next words out of her mouth were going to be like, can you imagine like how humiliating? Can you imagine the anger? Can you imagine the fear? Right. And she was a, she was a black woman giving the tour. And she said, can you imagine the strength that it took to even get this far? That's the blood that runs in my veins. And that's why I'm a proud black woman. And everything changed for me in that moment of, yes, as a person with brown skin, sometimes I move throughout the world and I want to be angry and I want to be all these things, but then I feel proud because I'm doing it. And as like a woman with like a body that has like thick parts on it, um, I want to look at like all these magazine articles and I want to look at all the ways that people are telling me that like my beautiful is different or like less than, and I want to be like humiliated and I want to be sad, but then I feel proud because I'm doing it and I believe in it. And as a gay person who's still a Christian and loves God and takes her faith seriously, I want to be mad and I want to feel all these things, but then I feel proud because I'm doing it. And I think that's to the other question, being proud of who you are changes the game because now I look at things writing against me, things writing against other people. And if we look at that and say like, gosh, what can we do? You know, or, or we look at that and say like, I made it through that. <laughs> you know what, I mean? what does that say about me? And if I made it through that and what does that say about me, then what does that say about my neighbor? What does that say about the potential in every single person I encounter? What does that say about my um, willingness or even ability to progress and change and grow? It says everything. And once we start seeing ourselves like that, it only spreads. You change the way you see yourself. You change the way you see, you know, anyone else. I just want to like, I mean, this is, this is just so powerful. And and one thing I want to share just from kind of where we're at is, you know, when we look at inclusion, I think that so often, like you said, it comes from a place of being defensive. You know, I was mm-hmm. raised in small town, Minnesota. There was no diversity where we grew up. You know, I went to a predominantly white college and and it, it's all of these reasons of yeah. of what we've learned and I can honestly say this year I have been schooled I have been humbled I have been put in my place in a beautiful way in in a way that challenges and and it is uncomfortable it is probably the most uncomfortable journey I've been on but you have to keep digging and one thing I want to um say and and just kind of ask you too Britt is one thing that I struggle with is, you know, we've had some really incredible diverse guests on this show and we want to have so many more, but a lot of times then the conversation turns to inclusivity and it's like, you know, this is not why you're on the show. This is your expertise. Yes. You Britt Barron, your expertise is in this, but how can we open the dialogue beyond just people that are different than us to have conversations about how we're doing better than what we've done in the past. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like around inclusion or around just everything. Like how are we showing more diversity? How are we inviting that? How are we allowing ourselves to be quiet? How are we not putting people of color or different in the driver's seat and saying you're responsible for my growth in this area? Does that make sense? Yes. Oh yes, 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 yes. I think you're absolutely right. 
And I think what you were saying about having like people of color on the show and, and it ends up kind of being a conversation about that. I think we are sort of reaching a point where we're realizing that diversity is an advantage and an advantage that everybody wins from. So like my favorite, I mean, I am so obsessed with Black Panther. Like it's unreal. I saw it <laughs> a trillion times in the theater. I got, okay, I got to go to the premiere, like the LA world premiere. And I could have just, I mean, curled up in a ball and that could have been the end. <laughs> but here's the thing that I love about Black Panther. It's just a Marvel movie. But the superhero is black. It's not a movie about slavery. It's not a a movie about the first black something. It's not a movie about race. It's a superhero Marvel movie. And the superhero is black. And I think that was so refreshing to me because that does show the progress that we're making in terms of like, yes, black people can be in a movie and it doesn't have to be about being black. Yes, And that's awesome. I think the same thing. And not only is it awesome, like it was wildly successful. Like it became one of the top grossing movies of all time. And kind of around the same time we saw like Fenty Beauty and Fenty Beauty, like Rihanna's like makeup line, was sold out for months everywhere. And it wasn't just a beauty line for people of color. It was just makeup that went in all shades. And I think that's kind of what you're saying. Like, we're getting to the place where we're just realizing, oh, people should just be included because they're good. Yes. I'm not buying this makeup because, because it's good makeup, right? I'm going to see Black Panther because I'm a Marvel fan and I want to know like plot lines for the Avengers mm -hmm. or, you know what I mean? Um, and I'm not going to get too Marvel nerdy because Sammy <laughs> always makes fun of me. But I'm like, I am a huge Marvel nerd. So I'm like, yes, you know? And I think that in moving in that direction, we are taking some of that pressure off because I think there are some people who, who love this. I love talking about inclusion. And so I'm all for it. That doesn't mean that every person of color does. But we haven't had a lot of examples of that because people of color that we see in movies are talking about it. People of color that we see, like, this is the representation, it's the expectation. Well, now the expectation is shifting into, like, find someone who wants to talk about inclusion and talk to them about it. But maybe yes. someone is just in a Marvel movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. And I think that's, I love that. I hope we just keep moving even faster in that direction. I agree. And I mean, for me too, you know, it's been... It's just, I know I've made so many mistakes. I know I've said the wrong thing. I know that, you know, and all of us have. I think every single person has, but it's how we're moving forward. And and one thing for me too is even looking at different brands that want to partner with me, if I don't see diversity in their business, I'm not going to partner with them, whether it's diversity in size, color, whatever that looks like. Like if I truly want to help represent all women, then I should only be partnering with companies that are doing the same and I think that, you know, there's just so much room for us to grow, but it takes a lot of stepping in to those challenging conversations that you are incredible at leading. What has it been like for Sammy in her journey? And what are some of the main differences you see between the two of you? Yeah, well, so Sammy's white, which if you can't see her right now, which you can't because it's a podcast, <laughs> you wouldn't know that. So Sammy's white and she's, I always laugh. She's like super white. She like burns 10 <laughs> seconds in the sun. 
And she grew up in Orange County, (laughs) also not known for its diversity. And so it's been amazing. And I've watched her with regard to the race conversation. It has been incredible to watch someone fight so hard to learn and to know and to care for and to stay up on and I mean I've watched her get into like Facebook arguments with like her (laughs) old neighbor and you know like Mm -hmm. because those are always so productive and so but just seeing that like this you know 10 years ago she wouldn't have known about this I you know she cried we both cried the first time we saw Black Panther just because you're kind of watching a place that has been untouched by slavery that has been untouched by this like and it's just black people and they're just like living and thriving and she cried and I asked her like do you think you would have cried just like that you know six seven years ago she was like absolutely not right so her proximity to like me has has changed that and it's been humbling for me to receive that because I think sometimes it's easier to be in the I'll advocate for you position than the someone is advocating for me position. And so it's been amazing. And and we've had, I think both of us coming out like a little bit later in our lives. I always joke because I'm like, I knew I was black first, right? <laughs> and we, we were in premarital and we were talking about premarital counseling and we were talking about kids. And our therapist said like, well, you know, like your kids would have some unique challenges having two moms and blah, 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 you know, and I'm like, yeah, whatever. And I watched Sammy's face, like, and she's like really wrestling with this idea. And I realized in that moment, like, oh, I've always known that about my kids. Mm-hmm. If my kids, my kids are going to be black, you know? <laughs> so like, I've always known, like, there's going to be a unique set of challenges in the world that, that comes with them. And so watching her for the first time, realize that that might be reality for her kids was really interesting. And so we, we've had so many great conversations and I kind of love that we get to do some of this together in the way it's expanding, right? Because it is, it's, it's race, it's gender, it's sexuality, it's size, it's how do we help people understand that they matter, you know, and to be proud of who they are, and to let other people in and to create more room at their freaking tables and to say like, it's 2018. I'm certain you can find more models than this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like uh, there's positive. 50 million. <laughs> yes. There's a million models on Instagram that I, you know, follow. So I think it's been, it's been fun watching and even watching her as a creative, as a designer, watching that change, right? Who will she call for shoots? She wants to, she's like, okay, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to use like, female videographers because there's not a lot of opportunity for female videographers so if I have an opportunity to bring a second shooter I'm gonna look for you know what I mean like there's just seeing that like light up in both of us and like okay if we're gonna be about this let's be about this so it's been really fun to do that together and and to learn more about each other and and just grow thank you for sharing all that I just think it's so incredible like just seeing your dynamic and the way that you guys love each other it's really 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 inspiring On top of my many titles as mom, entrepreneur, and creative, I've also added host. Drew and I host on Airbnb on our favorite island in Hawaii. We started hosting as a way to make some extra income, and we've had such an easy breezy experience. 
Now we host year after year, and it's been a fantastic side hustle. Not to brag, but we've also been crowned Airbnb Superhost several times, so we are really killing the game. It's about having spaces we can enjoy as a family while creating memorable experiences for our guests, and it helps that we earn a little extra cash on the side. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So my big question is like, what is your ultimate dream for your work? I know we've talked about what you do and kind of the vision, but what is the big dream on your heart right now? I think the big dream is to literally change the game in the way that people see race, gender, sexuality, and themselves. To change the game in the way brands market and advertise, to literally start to redefine what that whole field looks like. You know, like I think that's what that looks like. You know, I think Other Dreamers is, it has no limits, right? Sammy and I are both big dreamers. That's why we call our company Other Dreamers, but I think it has no limits. I, I would love to just create a movement where we have talks about you know, our, our sort of one of the taglines for other dreamers is like where creativity meets people to see those two worlds combine in a meaningful way, because what we know is very important, but what we see really changes a lot of stuff. So want more people to see themselves, to see cool branding, to know that you don't just have to do it like someone else did it right to. Yeah. So, I mean, in short, our big dream is to, to truly change the game in creativity and in people. Well, you're going to do it. Let me just tell you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking at my mirror ball and I'm seeing yes. the reason. Perfect. So let's say a listener out there has been struggling, feeling seen or heard or represented. What is the single best piece of advice that you want to leave them with today? I think that the single piece of advice I have is two things. <laughs> but first, be proud of who you are. Um that is something that no one can take away. And to quote Her Majesty, the Queen Beyonce, <laughs> you know, nothing real can be threatened. Mm -hmm. And I think to develop a, a real and true sense of pride about who you are, no one can take that away. And the second, even though you asked for one, is do it anyway. I think there's not going to be a moment where you're not scared. There's not going to be a moment where it's not uncomfortable. There's not going to be a conversation about race that doesn't get a little awkward. <laughs> do it anyway, right? Some Sometimes things happen and do it anyway. Thank you. I just cannot thank you enough for the work that you're doing and for making it such a beautiful a beautiful challenge, I think, in so many of our lives. And so where can everyone connect with you? Because I'm sure after this... They are ready to be signed up to dream alongside of you. Yes. Uh, well, you can find me on Instagram at Brit Baron, uh, one T, <laughs> and uh, BritBaron.com. And I mean, those are two great places. Amazing. And we're going to link to your video in oh, the yes. show notes for this episode, because no matter where you are from, what you believe in, I just think this is such a beautiful, powerful video that 
really just shares your story. And I, I kind of wish every love story had a video like that because what an amazing way to just document, like, here's what's really going on. And here's what I said I would never do. And here's what I'm really doing. And oh, it's just I know, so right? <laughs> and we're so like pathetically in love too. Like, it's, like actually though. It's, yeah. Yeah. Like literally, like sometimes I like annoy myself, but I can't stop. It was so funny. We have to give a shout out to Sammy on this one because we told her to be quiet in the other room and then we're like sammy we need you come help yeah. so, help the microphone uh, <laughs> so thank you to all the spouses out there that keep us all yes. going and aligned well Britt, thank you for just showing up i cannot wait i really hope that we get to work together more because you are just a woman that is changing the world and it's such an honor to know you so there you guys have it isn't Britt like incredible I feel like she just has so much to say, so much to offer, and I could sit and listen to her for hours. Since finding her and Sammy, I have just been really inspired to really challenge the way that I think about certain things and to really look at what love can look like, what inclusion truly looks like, and how we can practice that and expand in our own lives. I hope that this episode challenges you to lean into some of those harder conversations, to do the work yourself, and to really embrace what inclusivity can bring, not just to a business, but to your life, because it has only enriched in my And I want for you to know that if you're not seeing yourself represented, if you're feeling like you're constantly checking that other box, maybe it is you that is the representation. Maybe it's you that needs to step into that role. You are made for bigger things. And I am so glad that Britt Barron started to embrace those bigger things that she was called to because today's episode was truly a game changer. Until next time, gold diggers, keep on digging your biggest goals. Thanks for listening to the Gold Digger Podcast. Dive into the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at www.golddiggerpodcast.com. If you love the show, share it with a friend. The more the merrier. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time, you gold digger you. Hey, Gold Diggers. Lately, I've been getting excited to finish furnishing our new home, which is why I want to tell you about a brand that we absolutely love, which is Article. I have been a fan and a customer of Article for years. I'm always blown away by the curated assortment of furniture styles they offer. They have mid-century modern, coastal, industrial, Scandinavian, and even boho designs. There is something for everyone, no matter your taste. In our last house, we had their sofa and leather chairs. At our lake house, we have their dining table and chairs. We also just ordered some of their outdoor furniture for our new patio. Like, if you can't tell, we are obsessed with Article. The quality and style are top-notch. Article's online-only model means that they can offer some great prices with fast and hassle-free delivery. Pick the delivery time that works for you, and they keep you updated every step of the way. Article's customer care team is also amazing. They're knowledgeable, friendly, and always there when you need them. If you're like me and you're itching to give your home a makeover, I highly recommend checking out Article. They believe in delightful design for every home, and thanks to their commitment to style, quality, and affordability, it's never been easier to transform your space. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash gold digger and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash gold digger for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more.